Hello, it's 13th of January 2019 and this is episode 88 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. And how have your few weeks in Star Wars been, Rachel? Ooh, nicely done, Kirsty. <laughs> I like what you did there. Um, yeah, so they've been pretty good. Um, I haven't done a huge amount of Star Wars things, because obviously the whole point of the Christmas break was to go home to one's family and do all the typical Christmas things that don't typically include a great deal of nerding out about Star Wars. Like, my, my dad likes Star Wars, but nowhere near to the same degree that I, I do. And he always gets a little bit like, I'm just going to like ease out of this situation if I get too <laughs> infused about Star Wars in his presence, which is perfectly understandable. Mm. Um, but yeah, I did some Star Wars-y stuff. I got some lovely presents. So my niece, bless her heart, she brought me a Stormtrooper mug, Aww. which is so cute. Yeah, it's, I think because she knew that Auntie liked Star Wars. And I think that she and her mum are in the shop and she's just like, Auntie likes Star Wars, let's buy that. That's really cool that she chose that for you. Yeah, it was really cool. Like, I, I was very touched by that. So it's like the gesture of it, you know? Like, yeah. it's like, oh, that's so sweet. I also got the wonderful Women of the Galaxy book, which is really beautiful. I haven't had a chance to sit down and like read it cover to cover, but I have been through it page by page and looked at all the beautiful artwork. You already have that book, right? Kirstie? Yes, I love it so much. Maybe we can do an episode or at least like a spotlight devoted to that sometime soon. Yeah, I'd really like to do that. We should like pick out characters that are most like intriguing to us, perhaps, because mm-hmm. there's so many characters in that book that I see and I'm like, who? But in a good way, because it's sort of like a discovery thing, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this cool character exists. Where can I learn more about them? Mm -hmm. Which is a nice thing. Um, Yeah. And just recently, I also brought as a gift to myself the Last Jedi graphic novel from IDW, which I really like. It's got a really cool, super stylized art style. And it's really fun to see the story of The Last Jedi represented in that way. I'm flicking through it now and Snoke's death face is just the best. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I prefer those ones to the Marvel adaptations. Oh yeah, so much. I think the Marvel ones try to look a bit too real and it just doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah, I much prefer the more cartoony approach. How about you, Kirstie? Did you get any Star Wars presents or anything? Um, the only Star Wars gift I got actually was like a, it wasn't a mug like yours, um, <laughs> yes. but it was a yellow Princess Leia one and it says fight like a princess on it. So oh, my sister got lovely. that for me. Yeah, it's very cute. Oh, that's really sweet. But the most exciting part was that my husband and I booked tickets to see Adam Driver and Kerry Russell in Burn This on Broadway. I am so, so incredibly <laughs> jealous. <laughs> you're so lucky i know i'm so excited we're gonna see that um a couple days before i fly to celebration so we'll be in new york for a few days and then straight to chicago i can't wait that's amazing that's two episode nine stars yeah your (laughs) easter break is just gonna be the best basically (laughs) it's so cool um yeah if I were a child with like genuine faith in such things, I'd say, can I smuggle myself in your suitcase, please? <laughs> but smuggling myself past the security in Broadway would be significantly harder. Exactly. So can you remember when we went to see Anastasia, <laughs> Kirsty? Yeah. And there were like these really tough security guards. I know, it was intense. 
Yeah, they were like acting like everyone was like an A-class criminal or something. And it's like, we're literally queuing to see a princess musical. Like yeah. how dangerous do you think we are? We have our tickets right here. Nothing shady yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, so basically no sneaking in for me and also no reasonable possibility of booking flights to New York over that time period. But still, <laughs> I'm it's going to be so good. Oh, yeah. don't apologise. I'm so happy you're getting to go. So I know for a long time you didn't think you were going. So well, I think that's yeah. great. It feels a bit extravagant to be like, oh, I'm going to fly to the opposite coast to watch a show. <laughs> but yeah, but it's such a once in a lifetime thing. Like who knows when he'll do another stage show like that again. So Yeah. And yeah. I'm guessing that because he's doing the show, he's not going to be at Celebration. So that way I'll see all of the stars in the same week. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You'll get your dose of Adam. Mm hmm. Didn't you watch The Force Awakens on TV over I did. I did watch it, yes. So it showed in the UK on ITV, I think on December 30th. And I had such a nice time watching it because I live tweeted it (laughs) on my Twitter, of course. And yeah, it was just really fun because I had a bunch of other people watching it as well at the same time and joining in. And yeah, it was just a great time. It's been a while since I've seen the film. And just rewatching it reminded me of why I fell in love with the sequel trilogy in the first place. Like, I love that film so much. Like, I also love The Last Jedi and appreciate it so much, but it's like in a different way. There's just something so immediately, like, exciting and like right out of the gate with The Force Awakens that just grabs you. And yeah, it was really fun to rediscover that. Yeah, it has the most fantastic character introductions, like, especially Ray's. Yeah, no, it was really captivating. Um, yeah, and I also watched The Last Jedi on New Year's Eve to like mark the transition of the years. So <laughs> that was really cool. I saw loads of people doing these things where they suggested like timing it. So at midnight exactly, you would see the supremacy being cut through when Holdo did the lightspeed run. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not have the wherewithal to do that and <laughs> nor the inclination. But yeah, it was great to watch the movie again. And yeah, it reminded me of why I love that movie so much. So yeah, it was really nice to feel out the sequel trilogy again. Mm-hmm. Get your hype for nine. Exactly. And also another important thing to mention is that we got to meet up in London, which I'm so glad we got to do. So it was so lovely to see you. I know, I'm really glad that worked out. Um, I won't go into why, but it seemed like for a little while I wasn't going to be able to make it down. But at Mm. the last second, I was like, no, it's okay, I can do it. And I'm really glad because we won't see each other again until celebration. Yes, um, Which is actually not that far away. It's what, like less, it's about 90 days now, I think. I haven't been counting exactly, but I've seen some people doing countdowns on Twitter. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, see you. that's really good. And we went to see a great play as well called The Convert um, with Letitia Wright. And she was so, so good. Everyone yeah, in amazing. that whole cast was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she gives a speech at the end that I can like still hear her voice in my brain. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, you're breaking my heart, Letitia. Yeah, I was in floods of tears at that point. <laughs> yeah, it was so emotional. Yeah, just a great experience. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else... Oh, I know what we need to mention. Would you like to talk about our new look for the podcast, Kirsty? <gasps> yes. So the wonderful Nemling, who has made the art that we've been enjoying for the past couple of years of Ray and her scavenger goggles in like the TFA um, appearance, she agreed to give us an update. And now we have the last Jedi Ray in her new outfit with her saber and her new hair and her little scar on her arm. And I'm so happy with it. 
Yeah, it looks absolutely stunning. And I love the new colour scheme as well. It just feels so fresh and nice to have that complete shift. And yeah, while it's still very much capturing the spirit of the podcast, as I like to imagine <laughs> it. Yeah, it's, because yeah, it's crazy to think about how long we've do, been doing this show now. But yeah, it was definitely time for a change and time to spruce things up a bit. So I'm really happy with it. Yes, thank you, Nemling. We love it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You're so talented. And everyone give her commissions, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she so deserves them. Um, right, so that was a pretty long introduction, but I think it needed to be long because obviously we've been off for a while, so there was a lot to catch up on. But with that out of the way, do you think it's time to go into news, Kirsty? Yes. Okay, cool. So would you like to say the main thing that has happened in Star Wars since we last recorded, Kirsty? Yeah, so we have a new trailer for Resistance. This is like for the second half of the first season. Although we yes. did get, also, we also got confirmation that there's going to be a second season in the fall, which yes. is awesome news because obviously that means it's been doing pretty well. It's getting real. <laughs> yeah, it really is. This is like the shit goes down trailer, basically. If you compare this to like the trailers we got right at the beginning before any of us had seen the show, it was all like fluffy and like, oh, cute people flying and like Kaz being a bit of a buffoon. This is like serious, like getting to sequel trilogy intensity and danger. Yeah. I'm really intrigued. But by the time we get this podcast out, the first episode will, it's already out, but we haven't been able to watch it yet. Um, But yeah, I just, I'm so excited for this second half of the first season yeah like certain shots in it always seem like grimdark like there's one of like (laughs) seriously though there's one of like Kaz where he's like watching a hologram of Leia and he's got this like new like haircut oh my god I love the wet hair yeah and I I hate this word but he looks so emo (laughs) he does yeah I think that's the point because I mean Star Wars is so on the nose with hairstyles and that it must be like I'm guessing that is post Hosnian Prime, right? Yeah. I was literally just about to make a prediction that he cuts his hair after and because of that event. Well, do you think it's a haircut or do you think it's just like he's not styling it properly? Because the way he mm. has his like um, bit with the undercuts on the side and that, it looks like it's slicked back most of the time. But this looks like he's just not put any product in it. So it's like flopping forward instead. That's a really good think? point. <laughs> I, I don't know, but... That's, kind that's of the probably the more realistic explanation, to be honest. I do love how we've evolved into like a hair care in Star Wars podcast. I think Star that's Wars is about hair. Okay, if you look at <laughs> yeah. the Last Jedi, Ray having her t- hair taken down is hugely symbolic. Kylo not being able to style his hair like he did for his floofy dark prince snobby getup in yep. TFA is like indicative of his state of mind. Yeah, um, Alderanian braids. Yeah, exactly. The morning braids and Hux's hair is all askew as well because he's getting like thrown around by yeah. Snoke and Kylo and yeah. So yeah. hashtag sideburns of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it all means so much. There's so much deep significance. Um, but yeah, like this trailer is so awesome and it makes me so excited for the second half of the season because. I don't know, I guess I thought that maybe like the last episode of season one might be Hosnian and Prime. But from this trailer, I really get the impression that we're going to see that sooner than I was thinking. Because I think we're going to see that and then the aftermath. Mm. They're getting closer to TFA way f- uh, sooner than I thought they would. 
Yeah, which is incredibly exciting. So I'm really thrilled that they're like putting the pedal to the metal, so to speak, so soon. Because <laughs> that means really awesome. that maybe by the time we get to the fall of season two, they'll be well into The Last Jedi, maybe even post The Last Jedi timeline. Yeah. Because that all happens really quickly, right? Yeah, um, exactly. It's not like they can spend that long in the last Jedi time frame, like there's literally like a week, maybe max, <laughs> between Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and then the events of the Last Jedi maybe last like three or four days. <laughs> so there's a limited amount of, st- of stories you can tell in that time span, basically. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a cool lead up to nine potentially as well. Yeah, no, which would be awesome. So I definitely think there's going to need to be room for the story to go into what happens between The Last Jedi and Episode Nine to some extent. I don't expect Resistance Series 2 would go like super close to the events of Episode Nine, but I definitely think it would explain some of what's happened since Kylo Ren became Supreme Leader and that sort of thing, which is very exciting to think about. Yeah, and if they have a mid-season break like they have this year, and then they come back to do the second half of Season 2 after Episode Nine is in cinemas... Mm what era is that going to be in is that going to yeah. be post nine content already or is it going to be like still before episode nine i guess it depends on the level of time jump yeah that's true I'd, I'd imagine probably before episode nine so i guess i think the timelines of animation and how long it takes to produce animation i think they probably already know exactly what's going to happen in season two and obviously episode nine is still filming and there might be things to nail down so i doubt they'd want to go beyond the events of that movie hopefully it ties in pretty well though yeah same like and i'm sure there will be tie-ins because i think we even saw that with rebels to an extent so we saw things like that bond between maul and ezra kind of acting as a bit of a prelude to what ultimately evolved between kylo and ray that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so there's definitely corporate synergy at work (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember discovering the word synergy in media studies and thinking oh, it was the most beautiful word I'd ever heard. I hate it, but I used to hear it completely unironically when I worked in an office, so <laughs> I don't miss it. I, I do think hearing it used unironically is pretty disgusting, <laughs> but I think as a word detached from context, I think it's got a beautiful sound. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that took a weird tangent. Um, yeah, was there anything specific in this trailer that stuck out to you beyond what we've already brought up uh hux yes how did i not mention hux oh my god (laughs) yeah no you talk about hux kirsty well what i found funny about it was that he seemed less animated than the live action version with (laughs) daryl you know like he's so over the top when he's delivering that speech but for some reason it didn't quite translate with what we saw in the hologram i have this weird theory that they were kind of in, the first order was a bit embarrassed by how over the top Hux was being, so they edited the footage to make him look a bit more put together. Oh, please, please let that be what happened. Be amazing. Oh my god, yeah, I can totally see that. Like it's in his cartoon form, Hux, bless him, he just does look like such a bland white bread white guy. <laughs> like it's just because I we were talking about this like on whatsapp or something and i think it's literally just because you can't see the hair Mm. and for me especially hux is so interwoven with his hair like that red hair sideburns that when you take them away it's like what even is hux what's left well yeah donor has quite delicate features doesn't he so he does yes it's hard hard to to... capture that yeah 
Um, they did an amazing job with Oscar Isaac's likeness as Poe. But yeah, um, yeah, be interesting to see if we get other shots of Hux. Like, yeah, if you're able to see the sideburns at some point. Although I'm sure yeah. they won't be as impressive as Callus's and Rebels. He had amazing <laughs> facial hair. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I don't watch Rebels, but even I know what that character looks like. And <laughs> yeah, I've got to admit that Callus's sideburns went out over Hux's. Mm-hmm. So one to Callus. And um, the other thing that the the children of Tahara are back. Yes. No, I'm really glad to see them coming back. They left strong, strong seeds. Yeah, and I they love were going to be back because obviously that we knew that they were staying on the Colossus. So it'd almost be weird if they didn't return. Um, but yeah, it's nice to see confirmation of that, especially because we know that Kylo was involved in what happened to their planet. And I think we're going to find out more about what went on there. And that will be really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then more droids. Was that um, BB-90? Um, BB-90 is the evil one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but there was an evil droid in the trailer, wasn't there? I think there probably was. I, I think we're probably thinking of different shots. I'm thinking of the one where it's BB-8 and another droid in space, and they're sort of like doing oh, cartwheels. CB-23. Yes. Oh, you're so good with droid names. I envy you. Well, my theory is, I mean, I know this is a popular theory, but once BB-8 has to leave to go off to the events of The Force Awakens, CB-23 is going to kind of take its place. Yeah, that And makes I think sense. they've already done a pretty good job with her characterization. Like, yeah. Especially with the bond between her and BB-8. It's very, very cute. Yeah, and we definitely need more female droids. Mm-hmm. Gender equality in the <laughs> droid community. <laughs> it's not much to ask. Uh, what else? I've only watched the trailer once, so I'm trying to think back on what's, what's there. No, don't worry. I'm just looking at my own notes again as well. Um, it's just very fast-paced and like cutting between all of these things that seem very intense. I kind of hope that they're not showing us everything that's going to be really exciting. Yes, that's more true. more than what they're actually showing us here, but... Yeah, just the vibe of the trailer. It's like really setting a tone that's different yeah. from how they marketed the first part. So, yeah, and I think my overwhelming impression from this trailer was that I think the second half of the series is really where we're going to see it earn its title. Mm-hmm. So I have seen some people say that this show is called Resistance. Why aren't we really seeing the resistance in it? Um, which is, I can see why people are saying that, even though we have had appearances from Poe, because it really is so much about the Colossus. Um, but I think it's becoming pretty clear that we're getting a story where after Hosni and Prime, everyone like rallies against the First Order, or at least the majority of our liked characters do, hopefully. Um, and then they align themselves with the Resistance. Yeah. That seems to be the direction they're going in. I really appreciated the slow burn feel of the first part of the season, that it was... Mm you know, showing how insidious the First Order could be in terms of, like, very slowly taking over um, yeah. somewhere and, like, planting these seeds of fear and doubt to make people feel like they have to rely on them. And then everything is going to happen very quickly. They're, they're just going to come in and take over. And I don't think yeah. Dozer knows really what he's bargained for here. Yeah. So we're going to see kind of the consequences of his actions there. Yeah. No, I think that's, like, hitting the nail on the head. Some they've shown it in a really interesting way where we see the like creeping influence of the First Order as well as the sort of tactics they were using to like gain power um, which are quite clever so it's so like trivial in a way the sort of matters they're dealing with you can see how from those little acorns mighty oaks might grow so yeah it's very well done and there's lots of little seeds that I think are going to bloom into important story points later in the series 
very excited to see how all of this goes. And I think this trailer will have done a really good job of kind of getting more people on board who probably weren't that interested in Resistance from the the get-go. Yeah, I feel like, oh, it does actually have, you know, pretty strong ties to the sequel trilogy. It's not just these random people off doing silly things. Yeah. Um, Which was plenty of fun in its own right. You know, I don't have to have everything tying to the movies. Um, I loved the show for what it was anyway, but I think this is going to kind of get a few more eyeballs yeah no i agree so i think that the first trailers to come out for resistance they were really badly pitched so i think they focused too much on the like light and slapstick parts of the show and obviously we know the silly backlash that that promotional material got from some sectors which i think was way overblown but at the same time i think they could have done a better job of marketing the show because it is really strong and it does even in the first half deal with really interesting and quite complex and challenging ideas and I think it could have made more of those but yeah I think they're learning from the mistakes and this new trailer we've got for the second half is light years better than anything we've got previously yeah I mean I think it depends on your point of view as with all things Star Wars haha um yeah because you know they just wanted to say hey this show is for kids yeah of course and it did that well yeah exactly so I think it is for kids even now when it's getting to these more serious plot points but I don't think they wanted to be dishonest in terms of, you know, what the primary target audience was going to be at first, and it was very yeah. much geared towards younger people. So yeah, which, which is totally valid because you know they want to keep introducing new younger kids to Star Wars. So yeah, exactly, and they need their own Star Wars. So it's good, right? So is that everything we want to say about Resistance? Yeah, obviously we'll we'll have watched the first episode of the second half by next week and hopefully the second depending on when we get it so (laughs) yeah yeah we'll get back into analyzing it a bit more definitely right okay so the next thing to talk about is that adam driver i think this was an interview with deadline Mm -hmm. um he spoke a little bit about his involvement in the sequel trilogy and like how that experience has evolved over the years See, I just wanted to read this section of that interview, which I'd recommend that people read in its entirety because it's a good interview. So write the question. This year you'll complete your Star Wars trilogy with episode nine. Has it felt like a marathon journey after all these years? And Adam, it's been my second time doing something where it's lasted six years. I think with Star Wars, it's six years this year that I've known about it or been working on it. I had this experience once with girls, where it was six or seven years from the moment we shot the pilot to the very last thing. Since I've been working, it's what I've been used to, in a way, where you do other things and then you go back to see your friends. It's always good to go back to those groups. With girls, there wasn't really an end in sight, so it was fun to develop it as I went, and to think about where it was all going. With Star Wars, I had one piece of information of where it was all going. And that's where it has been in my head for a long time. And things were building towards that. It feels very theatrical, if anything. Because in the plays that I've done, a six-month run, on the very last day, you finally feel like, oh, now I have a better understanding of what it is that I want to do. I wish we could do this all over again. Working on a play, the questions you can ask yourself are infinite. And that's what's torturous about the film sometimes. You only have one shot to get it right. And you can do a lot of takes, but we're not all going to get back together again and do this. But for something you're doing for six years, you still have a chance to go back and make something a little bit more articulated. I love how Adam speaks. Yeah, this is a great answer. Um, It kind of reminds me of how he talked about The Last Jedi before that came out as well. 
Mm. Um, I know there was an interview, I think he did it with Edith Bowman um, on the radio in the UK. Um, right. That he said, like, there were things operating in the first movie that the audience wasn't aware of, but there were, like, seeds there. And then he yeah. knew that they were going to play into the second part. So basically what he's saying is that he's had information about the general arc of his character and the story in very broad strokes from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, when J.J. brought it, the project to him and pitched it to him because Adam didn't audition, he was offered the part. Um, mm. I think they had to give him a bit of a rundown, obviously in very broad strokes. There was no script at that point, but to say, yeah. here's what we're going to try and say with this character, are you interested? And you yeah. couldn't really do that with just the first chapter because, yes. you know, he's a villain. So you have to say what your overall statement about the character and the themes of the story are going to be. Yeah. Now, seeing this makes me extra glad that JJ's coming back for Nine, to be honest. Because, don't get me wrong, while I'm sure that this specific piece of information that Adam has had in his head, I don't think whoever came in would have just thrown that out or done something different. But from how it seems, it looks like JJ is probably the one who like had that conversation with Adam to begin with and articulated what it was they were trying to do with the character. So I think it's really good that JJ and Adam worked on the character together at the beginning of the character's journey and then they're going to work together again at the end of the character's journey to realise and fulfil that idea that they always had in mind for him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because, um, you know, as I said, Adam has said this kind of thing before, but it's kind mm-hmm. of at odds with the overall perception of oh, they're just making up the sequel trilogy as they go along. There was no grand thesis statement or idea about what they wanted to say with the story in general um, from the beginning, which I never really believed could be the case. I do believe that each creator has had creative freedom. Yes. um, But obviously Ryan Johnson and JJ were talking about it together. They didn't just go off and do things without consulting each other. Yeah, no, that's so true. I think that there's been some misconceptions and that some people really seem to have this weird idea that Ryan was basically like you JJ and like literally like screwed up in balls all the script notes JJ had written and all the plot outlines JJ had carefully prepared for the sequels and just like tossed them in the rubbish in those fans defense there was a lot of pushing of that kind of narrative before The Last Jedi came out and I do think it was was kind of overblown and I think to Ryan's credit it was him trying to say, hey, this is my story. I'm not just blindly following what someone else set out. I wrote this script. You know, I had these ideas. Yeah. But it was based on what came before and where, in broad strokes, they were understanding these characters needed to end up. Yeah. No, like, I think that's it. It's, like, basically, Ryan was trying to advocate for his own freedom in the creative process, which is completely natural for him as, like, an artist and as a creative person. But I think that some people, for whatever motives, took that and interpreted it in a very like negative and antagonistic way to see that as Ryan going against what J.D. was doing. And there wasn't much appreciation of how Ryan could have this creative freedom at the same time as he could actually be working in line with what J.J. had been envisaging for the story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So it's cool. And yeah, I think that this basically lets us know the 
like PR notes that Adam has been given for what he can say about episode nine. And I think that the PR line for episode nine is very clearly, don't worry guys, we do have kind of a plan. We've been working <laughs> towards something all along. Don't worry. Take deep breaths. Free and easy. It's okay. I, I really do think that's what they're doing to an extent. You would think that this would be self-evident because they're very careful with that character and the story in general, I think. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Adam Driver would have been interested in taking the project on if if they hadn't had an idea. Yeah. You know, it could have been disastrous. So. Yeah. I think they just know how these quotes are going to be taken. They know that there's going to be like a Screen Rants headline based on the fact that Adam's made this comment and they want a particular sort of message about episode nine and its role in the wider story to be going out. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right, and then the final thing we want to discuss news-wise is just very brief, and it's just a clip from the latest episode of Now This Is Podcasting, so the Making Star Wars podcast. So I would strongly recommend that you go and check out that podcast for yourselves. And yeah, it's just I wanted to report that Jason has heard that episode nine is drawing towards a close of principal photography. And yeah, he made these comments. They're slightly edited by me to avoid the swearing so I can preserve the (laughs) universal rating that we currently have on iTunes. Um, But yeah, so this is what I have. They've gone down to Skeleton Cruise. It's real small. Nine is winding down. There's a lot of reshoots planned. There are so many big epic battles. The sets are so colossal compared to what they've done in the past. There's so much shooting to be done. It kind of confirms what I've been hearing about how some of the key parts of Nine are going. Where they weren't completely fleshed out, they needed to be written, writing was still happening as it was going into filming, but they budgeted for it. It's not an issue. Okay, so I know that kind of doesn't seem to be much of substance in its own right, but yeah, I think the takeaways are that filming is coming to a close for episode 9 and there's not many people working on the film anymore. There are going to be reshoots happening after principal photography has wrapped, but that's because I get the impression it's because everything started later than usual because of the director change and things were all accelerated to make that December release still happen. So therefore they planned in this time for reshoots because they knew they were going to need it because Mm -hmm. yeah, everything was being done under such a time crunch. So yeah, I don't think there's anything to worry about and my main thing is I really hope we get something when it wraps, like a title or there's obviously been rumours of a teaser floating around. So, yeah, we all see if, what, if anything, comes. Yeah, and I I don't know very much about the filmmaking process, so this is probably completely off base, but I wondered about the skeleton crews, if they do that, not only to save money towards the end, but if there's stuff that's like got to be absolutely top secret in terms of what it might mean for the story do they shoot yeah. that when like they have very few people on set mm, that would make sense maybe yeah i think that's certainly very possible they know that if anything is going to be talked about outside of the production that the top top secret stuff with the biggest plot ramifications they really do want to keep that as small a pool of people as possible because mm-hmm. then if one of those people does go out and blab, it's going to be much easier to narrow down who might have been talking. Exactly. Yeah, which basically means people aren't stupid enough to blab because they don't want to risk their jobs. 
So yeah, it's exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to this film becoming a reality. It still feels so vague and insubstantial at the moment. So it's not like The Last Jedi where we knew that was going to be picking up from The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Like really, literally, just from the way Force Awakens ended, I think it was a dominant thought from pretty soon after that film that the next one is going to have to pick up really soon after this because you can't just jump forward like three years and ignore what happened in that encounter. Yeah, and didn't you know? we get that footage pretty early on of Ryan actually on Skellig with Daisy and Mark? So yes, you had right. context of, okay, yeah. so this is where they're actually going to start the story from. Whereas we have yeah. nothing for Nine, we just have that one photo that JJ posted. Yeah, exactly. We're really like groping about in the dark, basically. Yeah. So we're coming up to the time when The Last Jedi's title was revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of you know, being relative to a December release, but I don't know if they're going to do things in the exact same way. I'd like to think they do, because then we'll get the nine title soon. Yeah. But... We'll see. No. If anything, I'd say they're going to be even more aggressive about marketing this movie, because it will be the first Star Wars movie since Solo, and obviously Solo didn't perform as well as people would have liked, so I think Disney really, really want and need this movie to be a big success. And to be part of the zeitgeist. So I think there will be lots of Star Wars, to be honest. Yeah. I can't wait because I'm excited for Nine, but in a very abstract sense. Because like you say, there's nothing really to hold on to right now. Yeah, Um, exactly. So it's like this theoretical idea, not a real movie. Um, It's kind of like getting excited for the month of November. It's like, wow, November's (laughs) going to be so great. Without having any concept of what's going to happen in November. (laughs) Yeah. So I was, you know, it was another level for being hyped for The Last Jedi for two years, whereas for Nine, it's been a very slow build. Um, Yeah. But like you say, I think it's going to have to ramp up soon because it's the last, they're marketing it at least as the last episode of the Skywalker saga. So I think they really have to go all in on that. Yeah. We need a lot of pomp and ceremony. Right, so just to get us back into the swing of podcasting and also to herald the fact that we are now in the year of our Lord 2019, um, I thought it would be nice to go through what we have coming up this year in Star Wars. And I'm going to do it in strict chronological order. So <laughs> th- there's, no, there's no favoritism. I'm not like ignoring things that might be of less interest to me personally. I just try to put all of it in there. And I'm sure I've missed stuff. <laughs> don't get me wrong this will not be exhaustive um and there's certain stuff i left out deliberately so there's some like kid books that are coming up for example that i just didn't go into here because like i'm sure they'll be great for their demographic but realistically we're not going to read them or discuss them so there'll also be a ton of new things announced at celebration because especially like leading up to nine books the way they did the last jedi and the force awakens so yeah can't have everything right now Exactly. I'm sure there'll be Journey to Episode 9 books, like, in due course. But yeah, for now, we have quite a lot, to be honest. Um, so yeah, the first thing that I have on my list is on the 5th of March, we have the book Queen Shadow by E.K. Johnston coming out. Would you like to read out the synopsis, Kirsty? Yes. Um, when Padme Nabari, Queen Amidala of Naboo, steps down from her position, she is asked by the newly elected queen to become Naboo's representative in the Galactic Senate. Padme is unsure about taking on the new role, but cannot turn down the request to serve her people. 
Together with her most loyal handmaidens, Padme must figure out how to navigate the treacherous waters of politics and forge a new identity beyond the Queen's shadow. I think of all the books in Star Wars that are coming out this year, I think this is the one I'm most excited for. At the moment, there might be new announcements that I'm like, I must have that, like if it's like young Ben Solo or something. (laughs) But at the moment, yeah, this is easily the one I'm most hyped for. Me too. Padme is such an underserved character. I think they're hoping to start correcting that now, and this really will help. Um, I've seen on Twitter people already getting their press copies, and yeah. seem to be happy with it, but obviously they can't like say anything truly spoilery at this point. Yeah. Um. Yep. So that's the first thing to be super hyped about. Um. And then April will be a huge month because that is obviously the era of Star celebration, and it's also the era of Kirsty seeing burn this, which isn't strictly Star Wars, <laughs> but is very much Star Wars adjacent. So, yeah, all the exciting stuff is going to go down in April, essentially. Um, gosh, of course, it's hard to say with Celebration because we don't, like, have a schedule. We don't know exactly what's going to be involved with it yet. But in terms of what you expect to see there, what would you say you're really hoping for slash are excited for? The episode nine trailer? <laughs> like, duh! That is absolute number one priority. Yeah, um, same debating the whole lining up overnight thing because oh my god it's horrible yeah uh, it's fun in a way don't get me wrong because you, yeah. you, know, you get to meet people and everything and it's kind of like a giant sleepover but it is hugely uncomfortable and yeah. it's not fair on lots of people who might be kind of sick um yeah or have children and guess what children like star wars too so yeah i really hope they come up with a better system this year so that people who aren't able for whatever reason to line up overnight still have a chance of actually getting into that panel yeah Um, exactly it's always struck me as some sort of like weird ritual punishment almost yeah there's not really any need for it there are clearly better ways to have that system set up um yeah so i'm hoping that they go for it this time um but either way we'll, we'll have the trailer whether we see it in that room or not so yeah exactly so that will be a huge huge thing and of course all these panels and stuff that are all going to be live streamed so Worst case scenario, if we can't get in the room, we'll still be able to see exactly what happened in the room. Yes, of course. We'll be, we're yeah. lucky to even be going. So yeah, lots of people exactly. won't be able to, but the live stream coverage is always excellent. So yeah. people watching at home, you will not miss out. Yeah, no, which is really nice. It makes it quite inclusive. I'm hoping this time um, to catch some smaller panels as well. Yeah, same. I'd really like to do that. So I'm sure there's going to be so many interesting topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is going to sound really like gooey and sentimental, but I'm really, really looking forward to meeting all these people that I know from like Twitter and like other podcasts and stuff, and just hanging out, you know, with a huge group of fellow Star Wars fans. I think that'll be really nice. Yeah, I've heard about a few meetups already in the works, so we'll have to schedule those in and get a bit organised so we don't miss out on things. Yeah, oh my god, like so right now it still feels so far away and abstract, but yeah as we said earlier it's really not it's mm-hmm. gonna be here before we know it exactly so yeah so thrilling <laughs> oh and also because i loved it so much at star wars celebration europe when it was in london a few years ago i'm really looking forward to hanging out with the artists again because that might be my favorite part about celebration europe apart from the future filmmakers panel which was awesome but yeah i just liked the artists corner and talking to people and stuff Mm-hmm. 
Um, right. And then coinciding with celebration. So I presume there's going to be like a talk about it and probably a talk about all the books that are coming out, to be honest, um, is the new Claudia Gray book, Master and Apprentice, um, which I think we know very little solid about at the moment. We know it's set before The Phantom Menace and that is going to be about Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan. So, yeah, like I'm really excited for this because it's by Claudia Gray. Um, the subject matter isn't quite as appealing to me as the Padme book, but it's still really intriguing and exciting. So I will also definitely read this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning more about Qui-Gon. I don't know if there's a ton of stuff about him in Legends that I missed out on. But, mm. you know, in The Phantom Menace, he's obviously quite distinct from the rest of the Jedi in terms of his philosophy and outlook. So yeah. I want to learn more about that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think he's an interesting character. Like It's been so long since I watched the prequels that my memories of exactly how he's characterised in them are quite fuzzy. So yeah, that's another thing I need to add to our list. We need to do a prequel rewatch and talk about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. He walks his own path. Dances to the beat of his own drum. Mm-hmm. It's like Ray in a way, you know? Yeah, no, it's not, true. Yeah, not tied down to all the, the rules. Just yeah. you know, trust their own instinct in the force. Yeah, exactly. He's not interested in the orthodoxy. <laughs> um, right, then the next one is kind of tentative because there's no way of confirming it this far out. But I'd be shocked if in May we don't get an, a Vanity Fair spread for episode nine. I just got really excited reading this in the notes. <laughs> it's like I'd forgotten that that would happen. <laughs> yep, it's totes happening. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting when those come out. Because it's like yeah. proper first. Well, I know you get you get a little bit of a look at the costumes before then, usually on like toy packaging in that. But these photos are always so beautiful. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, good old Annie will be back to provide us with beautiful glamour shots of all our faves. So that'd be nice. And yeah, I'm sure there'll also be a deluge of coverage, much like there was for the two previous movies. So yeah, there's lots to get excited about for those issues. They're always beautifully produced. Mm-hmm. the hardest part is choosing which cover to get yes exactly the struggle is real yeah i had to get the layer one last time for obvious reasons yeah. but so lovely yeah no and it was such a beautiful image of carrie as well it's really nice um then the next thing we have coming out is another book um coming out on 4th of june which is alphabet squadron by alexander freed and this is the synopsis for that one On the verge of victory in what seemed an endless war, five former rebel pilots transform from hunted to hunters as they strike out against the vestiges of Empire. Set after Return of the Jedi, Alphabet Squadron follows a unique team, each flying a different class of starfighter as they struggle to end their war once and for all. Being realistic for myself, I probably won't read this because this isn't a side of Star Wars that's particularly appealing to me. But I think if you like X-Wings and you like all the different pilots and everything like that, I think this would probably be a great read. I think I'm going to give it a go because I do like that just after Return of the Jedi era where the war is still kind of waging on in a way, even mm. though that huge battle has been won. Yeah. Um, like, I love the Ray Sloan content for that reason. Yeah. No, I think you're right. There's definitely interest there. Like, I found the final chapters of Lost Stars really interesting. For mm. how they depicted like the Empire in the run up to the Battle of Jakku and what it was essentially after the Emperor's death, you know, what's left of 
this whole organization after your leader's gone um yeah so i think there's lots of interest in room for storytelling and this synopsis it kind of screams like nazi hunters to me right exactly yeah which could be a really interesting idea if done well so yeah if you read it and you have good things to say then i'd probably pick it up as well mm-hmm. then the next big book coming out is on 23rd of july and that is thrawn treason by timothy zahn um would you like to read out the synopsis for this one kirsty sure If I were to serve the Empire, you would command my allegiance. Such was the promise Grand Admiral Thrawn made to Emperor Palpatine at their first meeting. Since then, Thrawn has been one of the Empire's most effective instruments, pursuing its enemies to the very edges of the known galaxy. But as keen a weapon as Thrawn has become, the Emperor dreams of something far more destructive. Now, as Thrawn's TIE Defender program is halted in favour of Director Krennic's secret Death Star project, He realises that the balance of power in the Empire is measured by more than just military acumen or tactical efficiency. Even the greatest intellect can hardly compete with the power to annihilate entire planets. As Thrawn works to secure his place in the Imperial hierarchy, his former protégé, Eli Vanto, returns with a dire warning about Thrawn's homeworld. Thrawn's mastery of strategy must guide him through an impossible choice, duty to the Triss Ascendancy or fealty to the Empire he has sworn to serve even if the right choice means committing treason. Ooh. Which I guess means he does commit treason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about Thrawn, uh, because I haven't read like any of these other books, and I haven't read any of the Thrawn legend books either. But my guess, based on the little that I do know, is he's probably going to side with the Chiss Ascendancy. Just a guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, again, not as a Thrawn fan, so I could be remembering this wrong. But I think that part of the reason Thrawn does join the Empire is because he knows that there's a greater threat out there, which I think turns out to be the Yuzhong Vong, or whatever you call them. Yes. In Legends, and he's doing it to save his people, basically. Yeah. No, that's very much my understanding as well. It's all ultimately about his duty to the Chiss. So, yeah, I'd be shocked if he chose the Empire over the Chiss. So I sense that that's very much like an, an alliance of convenience, kind of. It's because it's like, okay, there's something for him in it. And there's also something for the Empire in, his, in him working for them. Right. And if it's Zahn writing it and he has such a strong idea of the character in his head, it'd be weird for him to suddenly go against that and do the opposite thing with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, this will be really exciting for the Thrawn fans and the people who like Zahn's work. So that's awesome. Um, I probably won't read it, but I am quite intrigued to see that um, Krennic will be involved somehow. That's a nice bit of interweaving of the different threads and seeing how they all come together. Mm-hmm. It's funny that they're calling it Krennic's project when it becomes Tarkin's project as soon as it's <laughs> successful. Yeah, exactly. It's like... Da, 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 no. <laughs> Poor Krennic. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. <laughs> it's like, ouch. What a sad man. At least he looked fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Could be worse. Um, right, then the next thing is... Well, the next thing is all a bit nebulous because basically we don't have specific release dates for the next few items I'm going to discuss. But just for the sake of argument, the next thing is The Mandalorian. So the live-action TV show um, to feature Pe- Pedro Pascal as the titular Mandalorian character, I believe. And yeah, again, we know almost nothing about this in terms of plot, but we have been seeing little snippets courtesy of Jon Favreau. And 
yeah, from what I have seen, it looks like it's shaping up to be a really cool show, and the talent they have lined up for it is just amazing. Like that director's list is such a dream. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing we'll get a lot more information at Celebration. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you really excited for this, Kirsty? I am, but again, there's not too much to go on. I'm really excited for Disney Plus to launch, um, to have all of that Star Wars and Marvel stuff in one place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, until we get like a trailer or something, you know, there's not an awful lot to go on. I'm just very yeah. interested to see how the first Star Wars live action series goes. Um, and I think I've heard that the Cassian series will be premiering like basically a year later, or at least they're going to film this year as The Mandalorian stars airing. Um, so it's going to be like a year behind. Yeah. Yeah, no, which makes sense because then they're still spacing out nicely, so it still feels like a big event, but yeah. they're not going to let people's Star Wars supply dry up, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which is important. Um, yeah, so that's really exciting stuff to come. Yeah, and you're right to point out the whole launch of Disney Plus because that's where much of this new content will be coming. Um, I, I imagine and I hope because it would make everything so much more convenient if all this stuff were just in one place <laughs> so yeah that's the dream um, the next thing just to touch upon briefly so we've obviously spoken about Resistance a lot at the start of the show is that there's going to be Resistance season 2 premiering in autumn and yeah as we spoke about earlier one that can only imagine it very much concerns itself with the time period covered by The Last Jedi and then the aftermath of The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. But yeah, really remains to be seen. We know nothing. Yeah. Maybe we get some Finn or Poe. Or well, obviously we'll get Poe, but it'd be <laughs> yeah. really cool to see Finn like turn up with Poe for something. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, that'd be really cool. And you know John would love to do the voice acting for that. Oh yeah, for anything. great. Yeah. So yeah, there's lots more exciting animation to come as well because there's also going to be The Clone Wars Season 7 which I know so many people are super pumped for. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'll definitely check it out but mm-hmm. I don't know how to be too excited about it at the moment. If they yeah. decided to do Dark Disciple, adapt that back for the series the way it was mm. originally supposed to be, I would definitely tune in for that. And I'm, I'm going to yes. watch it, as I said, but I'm not one of these major Clone Wars fans. Yeah, sure. I'm more excited about Resistance, to be honest. Yeah, same. Like, for me, I would need to actually watch Clone Wars. I've watched a few odd episodes, but I'd really need to commit to watching it through in order to really be excited about tuning into this next season. Mm. So yeah, I'll see how my year plays out and if I actually have any time. I will say it'll be interesting to kind of go back to this, like, pre-Revenge of the Sith era and mm-hmm. see if they like kind of bring in some elements that really start to show the cracks in Anakin like just yeah. before we get to that point where he finds out that Padme's pregnant and everything falls apart yeah um, they could do that really well yeah that would be really interesting yeah I'm very curious to see the extent to which they use the scripts that were already written for season seven because as far as I understand so much prep had already been done for that season at the point that the show was cancelled So it's a question of, are they literally just going to be filming those episodes that were written way back then? Or do they actually have a different slash revised vision for the show now because so much time has passed and there's this whole new direction for the canon, you know? So I'd be curious to see how that's handled. Mm -hmm. 
I'm guessing at some point soon, maybe it'll wait until celebration again, Dave Filoni will start talking about that a bit more and whether they are weaving in like references to stuff that happens at different time periods. Give me my sequel trilogy references, dang it. Well, you can get some really cool Anakin and Kylo mirroring if they wanted yeah. to do that. Yeah, that's the sort of shit I'm after, basically. <laughs> if they promise me that, then I will watch it. <laughs> I will commit to watching the whole of Clone Wars. No. <laughs> um, yeah, and then another thing coming in what I believe is the fall, although it will not be available on Disney+. Plus. Unfortunately. <laughs> they might have some promos to be like, here's what you're missing if you sat at home and you can't afford to go to Disneyland. Yeah, exactly. So I think we'll be taunted about this, but I don't think we'll realistically be able to go for a long, long time, um, is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is the new Star Wars theme park at... Is that Disneyland and Disney World? Is that right? They're yeah, I think they're doing them, both. Aren't they? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which looks so unbelievably awesome because I know they're doing it so it's like immersive. So when you enter the theme park, the staff in the theme park they treat you like you're living in the galaxy far far away i guess like within limits so if you really indicate that you're not interested in role playing i doubt they'd pursue it aggressively (laughs) (laughs) it's like i'm not a bounty hunter go away oh wait so is the actual park immersive i thought that was like the hotels that they were planning to do oh maybe I'm not sure. I had the impression the whole thing was going to be immersive to an extent. Oh my extent. god, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I know there's going to be like cantinas and stuff. Yeah, I know it'll feel like you're walking around and you're like in Star Wars, but I didn't think it'd yeah. be in terms of you like actually having a role. That's a lot. I do think that's an element of it from what oh, I understand. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I think that like when you like go into there you're like assigned an identity or something and then you can make choices and people will interact with you differently according to the choices you make that sort of oh, thing Oh, okay i thought that was the hotels yeah like maybe it is just the hotels and i'm getting my wires crossed but in any event it really does sound great it reminds me a bit of secret cinema which is something they have here in london where it's like an immersive cinema experience so i went to one they did for blade runner and before you went into the experience, you're like assigned a station in society, basically. So I was a scavenger. <laughs> um, and me and my friend like entered this experience. And it's so cool because your experience really is tailored according to your position in the hierarchy. So because we were scavengers, we were just treated like scum everywhere we went. <laughs> and if we tried to enter certain areas, it'd be like, your kind isn't allowed here. A bit like Star Wars. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and it was really fun. It was like, we're paying lots of money to be treated badly. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, so if they can do anything like that, then that'd be awesome. But yeah, all of this is so like abstract, because realistically, I'm not going to be able to go to this place. The prices yeah. are just insane. <laughs> we're going to have to live vicariously through the podcasters who live down in Anaheim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I know there's people like... um jason and stuff who seem to like go to disneyland every weekend yeah. <laughs> it's just like what is this life i know lucky them yeah it's too awesome um yep and then finally we obviously have the big one which is star wars episode nine. Oh right yeah <laughs> almost forgot oh that yeah <laughs> which is of course the pinnacle of this big year in star wars but yeah boy this is easily the thing well, I think we're both probably most enthusiastic about this, I'd be surprised. It's like, well, actually, I'm more looking forward to Alphabet Squad. 
<laughs> Sorry, Alphabet Squadron. I'm sure you're great on your own time. I'm sure that person is out there because you get Star Wars fans in all stripes. So, Yeah, no, I, I'm sure as well. Um, but yeah, for me personally, it's definitely episode nine. I'm super pumped. I need to see how the story ends. Like, I just hope that I can, like, contain myself a bit. Oh, God, I don't know if you remember this time, Kirsty. Well, I'm sure you probably do. But, like, so it's December 2017. The Last Jedi is about to come. And there's just, like, all these, like, buzzes and rumours coming out, like, every few hours, basically, from people claiming to have seen the movie. And it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. What do I believe? What do I believe? What's true? Oh, yeah. That stuff was almost as fun as watching the movie for me. I know not yeah. everyone is into it, but I just think it's so funny to, like, read them and then watch the reactions because people could yeah. not accept that certain things were happening. Yeah. Like, it was really exciting, but it was also quite anxiety-inducing because so much of how people report what they've seen depends on their own personal perspective. You know, so, like, just in relation to Raylo, I saw someone, like, post, like, who had seen the movie. They indicated details that clearly indicated they'd seen the movie. Like, it ends badly for Raylo. Well, I mean, it does on some level. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it does. Like, but when you see the movie and you understand the context in which that happens, it's like, oh, okay, I see. Well, th- that's our reading, but some people still think, like, oh, yeah, it was bad for people who ship that so yeah of course yeah like which again shows how subjective every facet of it is mm-hmm. but it it's just like such a roller coaster basically there's yeah. these massive highs and these lows and yeah and yeah there's just You've got to see thousands it yourself. of people on the roller coaster with you <laughs> yeah i mean i trusted your opinion so when you saw it a couple of days before me i was like just tell me what you're thinking <laughs> and you're yeah. like i think you'll be happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember um like me before I went to see it at the premiere asking you, Kirsty, do you want me to tell you about it? You're like, yes! <laughs> Obviously! <laughs> oh my god. And yeah, that amused me deeply. Yeah, I wonder how it's going to go this time, because I feel like, as I said before, right now, I'm like, oh, I'm not as excited as I was for The Last Jedi, but it's still a way off. Yeah, exactly. Once they start teasing things. As we've been saying, it's so hard to get super pumped and super excited for something you know nothing about. Because, like, I, I obviously I'm a huge film buff generally, and out of interest, I like to look at like polls and stuff on what people's most anticipated movies are. And when you look at those polls, like these are anticipated movies for all of 2019, but it's fascinating to see how on these lists of movies that are apparently for the whole year, almost all the movies on that list are like from the first few months of the year. Mm. Because those are obviously the only movies that have promotional materials. They're the only movies that have trailers. And those are the sorts of things that get people anticipating things because that's the job of trailers and whatnot. Yeah. I think the average person would just not even have episode nine in mind right now. So Yeah, exactly. It feels so far off still. I'm guessing Avengers is like the big one. For a lot of people. I think it was Captain Marvel was actually the main oh, one which surprised yeah. me. Yeah, even above Endgame. But I think that's just because it's had more trailers and that sort of thing. Right. So yeah, you can enjoy your time in the spotlight now, Marvel. That time will pass. <laughs> will they have anything coming out in the second half of the year? Gosh, I think they've got three films coming out this year. So they have Captain Marvel, which is first. Then they have Endgame, which I think is like late April. And then they have Spider-Man, the next one, which oh, isn't already? called the next one. Oh, okay. I feel like the other one just came out. 
Yeah, I know, right? I think it's because last year there were loads of Spider-Man films. It was like the Venom one, and then there was Into the Spider-Verse. Uh-huh. But it's really confusing. So there's all these different like strands of the canon, and yeah, it's just all a big mess. So yeah, yeah, it's superheroes forever, basically. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yep, great for people who like it. Um, yeah. So. I think that brings us to the end of this run-through for Star Wars in 2019. So basically, I think there's a lot to be pumped about. Although we will be immeasurably more pumped once we actually find out what many of these projects involve. Yeah, there's yeah. so much. There like, really this is. is a, the year of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, like it's a momentous year, really. And it's going to be so interesting to see like, what happens after this looking ahead it is pretty empty you know in terms of things to expect because obviously we know we're getting the Cassian series and we know abstractly that we're meant to be getting the Ryan Johnson movies and then the Benioff and Weiss ones but there's no dates on any of that so it does all feel extremely nebulous and like subject to change and whatever so yeah I would really like to see at this coming celebration some like commitment to what they have coming up yeah I'm guessing also that after episode nine is out, that frees up so much of the timeline, um, not just for the sequel trilogy characters, but for like the original trilogy characters before yeah. The Force Awakens too. Oh, definitely. So yeah. we'll probably start hearing about a lot more books and comics and that kind yeah. of thing for those characters. I'm so excited for the books that will be published about those gaps, basically. I think mm-hmm. there's so much interesting story there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, and one other thing which I forgot to include in my notes because inevitably this does happen, but there's some um, overarching comic book series coming. Like I didn't really want to dwell on it because we don't really engage with the comic books, but there's going to be the Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, and then Age of Resistance comic lines. Oh yeah, I am going to check those out. Yeah, I know no, they've started releasing them already. Yeah, I need to catch. Yeah, it. no, I saw the Qui Gon ones in Forbidden Planet the other day. They look really cool. Great cover art. Um, yeah, like, and I think I will definitely read at least the Resistance ones because I'm really curious for the insights that they're going to provide into those characters. Because I think by the time the Resistance ones come out, which are obviously going to focus on the sequel trilogy characters, will be really in that pre-Episode 9 run-up. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious to see where we will be visiting those characters in terms of the timeline. Yeah, that's exciting. So they might play it safe and just have it in like the TFA era. Yeah, realistically, they probably will, but it doesn't hurt to dream. <laughs> yeah, and it'll still be worth reading, I think. So. Oh yeah, definitely. There's interesting stories to tell at every point in the timeline. Right. So with that all said, I think it's time to wind up the show. So I'm Rachel, and you can find me at Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr and at Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us, and until next time, bye! Bye!